I grew up in a small town outside of Buffalo in a loud first-generation Italian family. And let's say, growing up in that family, I really learned how to make sure my voice was heard. I was the youngest of five, which makes me a bit of a rule breaker. And I'm an athlete, and I still love to compete. I was a three-varsity sport athlete in high school, softball track, and my real love, basketball. And I actually went on to college to play basketball and tennis, even though I'm sort of five foot nothing. And I really, really love the smell of the gym still. I'm a wife and I'm a proud mother of two amazing young ladies who are currently in the advertising business, making their mark in New York City at McGarry Bowen and the other one at DDB Health. People say that you learn from your kids. I really, really learn from my kids every day. I'm an entrepreneur and my name is Sharon Napier and I'm a big believer in making conscious action the best version of myself. And my extended family includes those 125 colleagues at Partners in Napier, where I'm the proud founder and CEO. I am Sharon Napier, CEO of Partners in Napier, Rochester, New York. Celebrating the lives, work, and achievements of women around the world. The Drum presents Exceptional Women of the World, hosted by The Drum's America's editor, Doug Zanger. Let's start with three questions. Uh, What's something that you've learned recently, either personally or professionally, that has surprised you and why is that? What I've learned lately is that it's, it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to make a mistake. As they say, you do learn the most from your failures, but what's not okay is to not learn from those mistakes. So I've really learned that over the course of my 20 plus years in this business. Well, I mean, this is a business of just consistent failure until we get to the thing that is is great, right? Right, right. And I mean, when you see young people, especially with, uh, you know, beating themselves up, what's the first thing you tell them? What's the first thing I tell young kids? Know your value and understand your personal brand. I think that's really important, especially for young women. You know, every time we say sorry, which I love that Pantene commercial, they just sort of nailed it. You know, every time we say sorry, we sort of lose our relevance, our importance, our confidence, our power. And be consistent. Know your brand. I mean, there's all sorts of social media out there. So understand that whatever you put out there is a reflection of your brand and make sure that you keep evolving your brand, but it's consistent based on values that are really, really important to you. When are you at your very best, and why is that? I am at my very best when I'm competing against all odds or I have something to prove. If somebody tells me I can't do something, there's this little voice in the back of my head that says, watch me. You know, you know, just it's maybe that's that athlete in me or that competitor in me. But it certainly was the case back in 2004 when I led a management buyout. And at the time in 2004, there were very, very few women founders of agencies. 
in fact, there was no mentorships or there was few women's group or there was no banks or VCs willing to invest in really women-owned businesses. So my partners and I just went for it. We're passionate about building something powerful and something relevant. So we cashed in our 401ks. We cashed in all our savings. We used our house as collaterals. I mean, we really put ourselves on the line. So I'm so proud of it. And we really, really, that's one of my, my best when, you know, I'm passionate and I really want to prove something. I, I like that. And, that and and I do know that about you. It's, it's like <laughs> someone says someone says can't to you. That's like they've just picked up a stick and decided to poke it into the Italian hornet's nest. <laughs> Not the best idea absolutely, in the world, right? Absolutely. Right. Having grown up uh, my mom's side's Italian, I understand that fairly well. So so I have a little bit of a little bit of experience on that one. <laughs> oh man. Yes, the Goomba hornet's nest. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. What's the biggest criticism you've ever received? That's this is a big one. Not a lot of people pick this question. Pick, actually. Yeah, yeah. Is, and, and I uh, didn't know whether I'm not sure if this is the biggest criticism I ever got or the best worst advice I ever got. But it came it from a could per- be a little bit of both. Yeah, it's a little bit of both. I think it came up from a professor in grad school. And just to give you some context, I made a conscious decision to go back to school at 43 years old to get my master's. And, you know, I was building a regional agency, and I really, my end game was to take this agency not only national, but international. So part of my coursework was to write a business plan that ultimately became Partners in Napier. And in that business plan, I talked about being a values-led company, and I really wanted to have family as my core value. And my professor said, God, a family value, that'll hold you back. That'll keep you small. You can't be a family and make the hard business decisions that you have to make. Well, again, that little voice in me said, well, watch me. So I created an agency partners in Napier. Courage, ingenuity, and family are the three core values that guide us. That's still the foundation of our agency today at 125 people. But at the time, you have to remember, I had two kids And I felt like I could go do counterculture on this, right? The industry was all about sweatshops and working 24-7 and the best ideas come out of the agencies that are doing that. And I just felt like if we valued people's families and family to us meant we respected each other, our clients and the communities in which we worked, but if we created that kind of culture, we could grow and we could grow an environment that was kind of counterculture to the industry. And so I guess proof is today we are growing we're still around 13 years later and um, i'm pretty proud of that oh 13 years yeah 13 years yes 13 years okay time flies yes it does Let's go to the must list. What is a must do? It's funny. I call it the S word. And what I mean by that is you have to build stamina. You have to build personal stamina. And because think about it, in our business, it's so demanding, both physically and mentally. You know, the drill, you got constant, you know, meetings and emails and navigating airports. And in our business, you have the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and they can all happen in just a couple minutes. So with all the stress and fun, a must do for me is I get up almost every morning and work out. 
I try to eat good and take care of myself, that exercise your brain and your body. And because uh, I actually believe to be at the top of your game in any business, you have to be physically at the top of your game. You have to have the stamina. You have to get off the plane in London and be able to go to a dinner with clients, right? And then the next day it starts all over again. So for me, a must have or a must do is take care of yourself because you need the stamina to keep up. But it's important to take some breaks too because oh. we sometimes we forget we for, we forget about that. Actually, even even if it's just even if it's just like 5 minutes a day cuz I uh, I meditate and that's kind of a nice 5 minutes. It's it's a little me time. You know what? I couldn't agree more and I think like when I say work out, that time on maybe the elliptical or the treadmill, you just get to think. Some of your best ideas come when you go for a walk or just with my dog, who I love as my third daughter. You know, you're right. Those are the times <laughs> when <laughs> my kids complain about that, believe me. But, well, uh, <laughs> you know. What is a must experience? When I reflected on that answer, I said, gee, a must experience is coach a young team of boys or girls, whether it's soccer, tennis, or artists or dancers. But in my experience, I coached a group of 10-year-old basketball players. And just think, 12 girls, 10 years old, trying to get them all to play as a team. Well, it really, really teaches you the importance of influence versus authority, right? You can't just tell them what to do. Mm. You have to kind of Mm -hmm. influence them. And, you know, when I reflected upon that, you know, as a new CEO, I thought, huh, I got this. They're 10-year-old girls, you know. I, I coach lots of teams, hundreds of people, right? But it really taught me some such simple, simple leadership lessons like what motivates a person and how to give feedback and how... Different people learn and the importance of a strong bench, why the number seventh or eighth player on the team is as important as a starter because the strong bench wins games. And those things, you know, I just really, really has made me a better leader. So a must do is go coach a young group of kids because they'll teach you a lot. Yeah. And you get to experience a Schwarzenegger buddy film from the 80s or 90s, too. Because it's <laughs> I love that. You're absolutely yeah. right. What's a must read? I try to have a couple books going at a time, both fiction and nonfiction. But the business book that I'm reading right now is The Hard Things About Hard Things by Bruce Horowitz. And it's really a great read. It's really, you think it's for VC or venture capitalists, but it is really a book for not only entrepreneurs, but anybody in leadership. And I mean that our 28-year-old in our agency actually told me about this book. And there's a chapter in it that I love. It's about wartime versus peacetime CEOs and sort of the difference in skills. Peacetime, you're growing and things are well, and you're really thinking about culture and motivating people. And wartime is wartime, no holds bar. And the importance as a CEO to really have both wartime and peacetime skills and to know And it really talks about when to break the rules and when not to break the rules. And I just thought that was just such a fascinating, fascinating chapter in the book. No, that's no good advice. Because I think it's funny. We we talk about, hey, we're going to break the rules. And then you just start blindly breaking rules. And then you, you you lose the plot sometimes. Yeah, you do. You do. You lose the plot. And you have to be 
really, really conscious about it, right? You have to have conscious about when you're breaking the rules and when you're not breaking the rules. What is a must learn? Everybody today is complaining about being too busy, right? And I read something that talked about busy is the new lazy. And I just love that. And it's, yeah. you know, just loved it because we just say, oh, I can't do that because I'm too busy. So I really think we have to make, we have to consciously say yes to things, get involved and do it. In fact, when I was 21 years old, I got asked to work on a political campaign. I had no idea about working on a political campaign. But, you know, I had time. I was looking for my first job. I said yes. The campaign manager owned an advertising agency. After the campaign, he said, you'd be great in advertising, and the rest is history. Just not making yourself too busy and saying yes more often than no. What is a question that you've never been asked before that you would love someone to ask you and what would the answer be? You can imagine being in this business 30 plus years as one of the few women CEOs, I would always get asked about work-life balance, right? Always, almost to the point uh, where I'd roll my eyes, right? So, right. and, and I still get- It's become cliche. It's so, so cliche. I even get asked this question when I go speak at college classes now. Still young millennials are asking me this question. So I would like someone to ask me, how do I achieve work-life integration? Because it's about integration. A mentor of mine once told me, whatever you're doing, be 100% in it. So when you're with your kids, be 100% with your kids. When you're at work, be 100% at work. That's to me is integration and knowing that. To me, it is please ask me about work-life integration, not about balance, because in no one's life is there perfect balance. No. It's, as I sit here at seven in the morning as my kids are sleeping in the next room. Yeah, no, I get you. <laughs> Speaking of, they're lazy. That, okay, sorry. They need to be less busy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or more busy. <laughs> they, actually, they do need to be more busy. Yes. Yeah, no, yeah. Very, very good. Uh, no, but it, it is funny because I don't mean to be cavalier, but no, the, the whole notion of balance is... You're right. It, it becomes cliche, and then all that does is it becomes circuitous reasoning. And then the other side of this, too, is that you know, I'm sitting here raising my hand saying, this is something that affects everybody in the industry. It's not, it's not just women. So how do, you know, how do men become part of that conversation, especially men who, like me, work from home, have responsibilities in the house and outside the house? You know, how, do, how do we get in in that conversation? Because I, I love that. Know, I, yes, I'm, I hate that it's I'm just starting, a I'm starting to question. feel a little lost. Yes, you know, like we, I hate that it's a we want to be part of this too. <laughs> I agree. I hate that it's a gender question. And also, your balance is not my balance. Balance is all relative, right. right? Yeah, we just have to continue to try to figure it out and to learn from each other. That's really the upshot of the whole thing. So, and, and what works what works for you may not work for someone else. And you just Absolutely. have to accept that. Absolutely. Every guest on the show gets an opportunity to talk about whatever they'd like for a minute or two. So without further ado, the floor is yours. Well, this whole topic of diversity is on my mind. It's when we talk about diversity and people and race and talent, thinking and perspective. And what's on my mind is why is it so hard and why are we still talking about it? It's, it doesn't seem like it is progressed 
very far in the last, you know, 20 and 30 years. And without it, we are limiting our relevance. And we are, um, it's not a nice thing to do anymore. It is a business imperative. So when I think about it, I think, okay, I'm just going to make a conscious action to do what I can do, whatever panel I can speak on, whatever blog I can write about, but more simply what I can do in not a major city. My main office is in Rochester, New York. It's hard. So we just put a stake in the ground and our stake in the ground is our all of our seven interns this year are from a diverse background. Um, to bring diversity. We're just interviewing differently. You know, everyone says it's all about talent. It is all about talent, but it's all about being conscious about making our teams more diverse. So it's on my mind. I would love to be more of a spokesperson for that within the agency and within the industry. I just think it's something that uh, we have to stop talking about. We have to start doing something about We wrap up the show with one last piece of advice or wisdom. What would be your final word today? My final piece of wisdom is cultivate your mental toughness. You talked about that I haven't lost sense of myself or my kindness, and I really appreciate that. But as my dad would say, you know, he was a first-generation immigrant, didn't graduate from college, served in World War II, And whenever we'd come home and we'd say, Dad, life isn't fair, he would just remind us, and he would say, Sharon, whoever said life was fair. So when you get knocked down, it's learn how to pick yourself back up, try to do it with grace, try to learn something. When we think about mental toughness, no matter what your political party is, Hillary Clinton has a lot of mental toughness, right? She picks herself back up every time. My final advice is uh, cultivate your mental toughness and be a lifelong learner. The world is changing very quickly and uh, whatever it takes. For me, I went back to school at 43, try to read whatever I can. But uh, those are my two words of advice. Sharon, always a great pleasure. Even though I'm not seeing you, I, I'm here in Portland, you're in New York. Always a great pleasure. And I'm sure I'll see you out on the circuit, but thank you so much for joining us. Best wishes for continued success. Of course, we're all big fans of Pete Vonderlin, who we, we know and love very much. Aww, and, and he's there, the best. And there, and there may, yes, and there may be a, a dinosaur barbecue uh, trip in Rochester when we come up and visit. Fantastic. <laughs> but thank you for joining Anytime. us today. Thank you so much. Take care.